This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. Today, I'm here with Simone. Welcome, Simone. So good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. That's awesome. So why don't you just kind of take us back to sort of where everything started for you and and kind of the beginning? So my beginning, I think, is my uh, when I was born, actually, Um, when I wrote you the information at first, it was like, you know, I was brought into an already fractured family. And it was kind of there was a lot of drama and trauma going on. Fractured as in divorce or... Um, so, um, I was born in 1961 in middle America. My dad was in the air force and he married my mom who was German and they got married in Germany and then they had my two sisters there and then he got stationed in the United States. And so they came over when my older sister was just six weeks old and three months after they got to the United States which, you know, it was, my mom was almost 30. It was just a big transition for her with two babies and never been to the United States. And then- Did she speak English? uh, She did, but you know, not um, as, she didn't have a great grasp of the languages she could or does now. So anyway, but three months after my, they got here, my dad was diagnosed with a leg sarcoma and this was 1960. So the treatment for that is to amputate the leg at the hip. And that was just three months after they came to the United States. So the Air Force took my dad away from my mom and my two sisters for a whole year. And it was really, you know, that was a big, you know, incident and, and struggle for them. And so my dad comes back and then I was born. So I was born into all of this. And um, so my dad's coping mechanism was drinking alcohol. And so alcohol was always in my life, you know, present with, um, I saw my dad drinking a lot. And so that's how it started. So about 13 years old is when I started dabbling in alcohol and uh, with my friends. And, you know, the first time I didn't like it, like most of your um, other guests have said, I think it was ever clear and <laughs> made me sick. Wow, you went right to the jugular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, when I could, I would, you know, drink with my friends, but it wasn't like I had to have it all the time. And then there was, um, from about thir- 14 to 18, I dabbled in drinking and um, smoking pot and, you know, doing all the things that were in the seventies. And, um, so I just, I did all those things from like age 14 to age 18. Um, another piece of my story, I think that, um, started causing me problems and probably led to my addictive nature and using substances was, um, I had a traumatic event when I was 14 and, um, I, I was raped and uh, there was a trial and there was a conviction and then after that you know it was like in the school there it was around my junior high 
And so I began to receive a lot of bullying from the people that knew the boys that um, were the perpetrators. And so it just made me lose interest in school. And I asked my mom to let me switch schools, but that wasn't going to happen. This is in the seventies. It was just like deal with it and move on. And so basically I dropped out of school. I was in the eighth grade. School was easy for me, but it was just not a happy place for me. Mm. And so I uh, basically had been on my own since I was 13. I started living with my first boyfriend when I was 14. I worked. I, um, we broke up after two years. And then my parents kind of didn't know what to do with me. Either one of them, my dad was still drinking. My mom was, uh, they, they got a divorce during that time. So that was another traumatic event, you know, in our lives. And they just didn't know what to do with me. But anyway, my dad set me up with an apartment when I was 16 years old. I had my own apartment. I was on my own. Um, and I would always, you know, use substances to cope you know, um, just to forget what was going on in my life. But I was always able to take care of myself. You know, I've, I learned a lot and I learned it quick. Um, and then I met my first husband when I was 17. We became pregnant and um, then had a baby and um, just got into married life. Um, he was nine years older than me, and I thought when I got with him, he was going to be my caretaker and my provider. Well, it ended up being me being the more um, outgoing one, the one that put things together. You know, I was the stronger one in that relationship. Um, so, you know, there was years of that, and, and him and I would party together, too, with our friends and go out, and then I just got tired of it, and I wanted something more, and so I decided to, um, we had another son, and it was nine years apart, and um, during that time, I decided I wanted something more, so I started going to nursing school, and um, so I Graduated nursing school um, in 1994, and I've been a nurse ever since. And then about two years after I graduated nursing school is when my first husband and I divorced. Um, but all during that time, I would drink. And when I would drink, I would drink to get drunk. You know, it was like just to obliviate myself. Um, so I was on my own for five years and um, I did fine and, and I was productive and, and um, moving forward and, but I would always drink. And, and that's when I think that I started this to see the drinking increase a little bit, what I would use it for, for a coping mechanism, you know? And how many kids did you have at this time? Uh, two. two, so yeah, so I had two boys um, so when I divorced my first husband, my oldest was already 17 and my youngest was seven. Um, so yeah, so then I met my, um, now husband, um, and we've been together tw 20 years. Um, and our lifestyle was, you know, we would drink with friends and everything socially we would drink. And, um, he works in an industry um, like you did, that was like alcohol was a big part of it, you know, and so we would have all these events that were alcohol soaked, 
and trips that were alcohol soaked. And it was just that lifestyle. And uh, my um, need for alcohol just kept increasing, just, you know, like you mentioned in your book and the podcast, you know, I just became conditioned to it and I needed more and more and more. And then I really started questioning my drinking and my husband started making comments about it as well because he would never have, he doesn't have the same issue with it that I do. He can have a couple drinks and then he can stop and he's fine. Mm -hmm. And it's not an issue for him. Um, he didn't grow up drinking. Um, so, um, yeah. So I remember I wrote in my story to you that, the reason that I, so everybody starts looking for things, you know, on the internet starts doing the deep search. And, um, my husband and I like to watch Anthony Bourdain. And so when he died last summer, that really just was an aha moment for me is like, you know, they found a lot of alcohol in his blood, you know, when, when they did the autopsy and no drugs in his system but you know he was had a lot of alcohol so that really got me to thinking and then i i was watching that elizabeth vargas video mm -hmm. of our, our story about her drinking and that's when i saw your book and then i downloaded it immediately to my kindle and it just it was like that's what i needed you know, and I could follow it the way that you wrote it, you know, from a biopsychosocial perspective, because that's how I was trained as a nurse. And it just made right. so much sense to me. And it gave me the permission to say it wasn't a weakness. It's, you know, it, it has a biological cause, uh, neurochemical reactions, why I, I was getting so addicted. There, there is the emotional piece and the things that I had to get through, the reasons why I was drinking. But um, it's been a little over five months and I haven't had a drink. Mm -hmm. And I love that you said, I don't have to do that anymore because that's how I feel. I just like, I, ha I got to get off of that train. I don't have to do it anymore. And it's been, um, interesting to take the pieces apart and figure out the whys, mm -hmm. why I was drinking. And, you know, my backstory, you can understand why, you know, there was a lot of events. And one thing I'll say too, that I've been uncovering and I've realized it for a long time. Um, my mom grew up during World War II and one of her, her, the town that she lived in was the third most heavily bombed. And so her story of World War II and the traumas that she went through um, almost became my story and my sister's story. And it was like, you know, a generational um, shift, you know, of her trauma and her story becoming my story and the stress of it. Um, I think that was a big piece of it too. Yeah, and there is a lot of really interesting kind of research about actually generational trauma, even beyond yeah. your immediate parents, which is yeah. just fascinating to me. I, I haven't had as much time to look into it as I would like, but I've been, it's kind of been popping up here and there about like how 
really, you know, not only are you passing down like your hair color and your eye color, but you're also passing down, you know, some of, and it makes sense too, if you think about it from like a neurological perspective, because your thoughts do create actual pathways in your brain, right? So if those right. pathways are persistent enough and they, they too maybe can get passed through, um, which just, it's fascinating to be honest. Yeah. And I think that was a big, that's a big piece. And so I've been dealing with that and trying to separate myself from that. That's her story. It's not my story. It's a part of me, but I can't own it. It's, it's her story. So that's helped as well to start working through that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. Um, I like how you described sort of the alcohol soaked kind of events. And I assume you still have those in your life. How do you handle and navigate those now? So I, we just got back from one actually, and it was, a, it was um, I just started doing more things. And there's some scenario um, and internet connection people. Here, um, you know, every night at the, this um, convention, um, so there would be an opportunity to have drinks and, and do things. So um, I just find that if I have a drink in my hand, nobody really ever says anything. So I just go straight to the bar or ask, you know, a server for um, soda and lime. And no, no one really even asks. Um, and I just, I just feel fortunate that I don't have to do it anymore. So I'm doing other things with my time during those conventions instead of going to the, all the events and the drinking. But I'm, I do do those too. And I still have just as good a time. I just am drinking soda water with lime. You know, it's, it's, um, it's fine. I'm not having any issues with it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. I know it's fun to go to those things and just kind of watch and be like, okay, because you, I used to imagine that, you know, right when I first stopped drinking, I would kind of go to it and I'd be like on high alert, like, okay, I'm going to watch these people just have so much fun. And then like, they just didn't change at all until yeah. they did change. And it wasn't pleasant because that was four or five drinks in. And then the change, any change was like, not good. And I'm like, is there even alcohol in their drinks? And all of a sudden I was like, oh yeah, there is. And that's not pretty. And it was just this thing of like, it didn't, it, it didn't like make anything different. You know, nobody really, I don't know. It was just so interesting. But I remember what you said too about, you know, when they get four or five drinks in, then your conversation with them isn't meaningful anymore. Um, and and I'm, I still have the conversation with them. It's just that I understand that it's not going to be meaningful, nor will they probably remember it, you know? So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've had several events since um, I quit drinking. And, you know, like you suggested um, to journal too. So every time I've come back from a big event or had an event, I will journal about my feelings, you know? Um, and I just... I just feel so grateful and, and, you know, um, I feel like, you know, the things that have changed for me have been, I'm looking at my notes here real quick. Um, you know, I'm sleeping better. My relationships are improving. Um, I have more energy. I, I feel like I look better. You know, I'm eating better. I'm just, I'm paying more attention to me 
and focusing on me. And that's all been positive, you know? That's but I know on some of your other interviews, you'd ask people, well, how did you cope when you first stopped? And um, I've heard you talk about supplements with others as well. And I did uh, use 5-HTP for a while, which is an amino acid, which is a precursor to serotonin. So I feel like that that helped me gap that bridge, but I'm no longer feel like I need to use it. Yeah. It was just a couple months I used it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and then, you know, you said something too about like just obliviating, which I love that word. I, I remember literally intentionally thinking like, okay, I just have to you know, get myself to the point where none of this matters anymore and like obliviate yeah. <laughs> that word. But um, when you were doing that and now how do you handle those those emotions, those feelings that, that inevitably come? Um, I've always worked out. And so exercise helps me tremendously. And also I realized, and I've known this for a long time, I'm very outgoing, but I'm an introvert. And so when I start feeling overstimulated, I know that I need to get off by myself and read a book and have quiet music on. And I just need to be by myself. And that usually is what I do is I um, just remove myself um, to a quiet place and get the solitude that I need. That's beautiful. And I think so often we're like afraid of solitude because we think, oh my gosh, it's going to be intense or scary or whatever the case is. And the truth is like solitude, once you can overcome that fear and be able to be at peace with yourself, it is one of the most like refreshing things, truly. And I've always known that I needed a lot of alone time. I've always needed it. And I've um, just allowed myself, let other people control um, how much stimuli was coming in instead of me controlling it. And so I would drink to be in those situations that other people wanted me to be in when I knew that I wasn't, I didn't really want to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I don't say yes all the time and um to other things but i say yes to me yeah and that's been real helpful yeah that's just awesome i love that so much yeah Um, that is just so cool so i always ask this question sort of at the end and it's really you know if you were going to go back and tell simone like what life is like now especially you know when you're really questioning your drinking and feeling uncomfortable and like oh, there's no sort of solution or no answer i don't even know how to approach this what what would you talk to her about how do you encourage her so i knew you were going to ask this <laughs> i kind of i thought about it and it's funny because i thought about it you know earlier on and um and where uh, i've been sober you know it is um it was internet was having an issue but can you hear me oh the things that so anyway it kind of morphed you know like from the beginning when I started this journey till now because like I said I'm about five months in and basically I would say to her now is the time now's time for you to do this and also that piece harmony that you're looking for is on the other side of you quitting you just have to quit and then you're going to start finding that peace and harmony that you've been looking for and also um you know you've done challenging things before and you've always risen to the occasion 
And this is just another challenge that I know that you can do, that you're gonna, that it's gonna happen for you. And then also um, the growth and self-respect and the confidence that I'll have um, and that I'll gain, especially showing other people how to treat me. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. Wow. Because I would, I would just take how people would treat me without, you know, saying anything back. And then I would get angry and then I would stuff it and then I would drink. And then, I, you know, it was just a cycle. And now I'm, I'm, a, I'm in control of my emotions. Um, and so I can kindly teach people how to treat me. That's, that gives me chills. That's beautiful. That's yeah. really powerful. Yeah. Really powerful. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, is there anything else you wanted to sort of share? Uh, Just how grateful I am that I found that I stumbled into your book. And uh, was it part of the video or was it? No, it was off on the sidebar. You know, I didn't think it was in that video. No, (laughs) like, oh, I saw it. And then, you know, I clicked on it. And then, you know, I started seeing all the five star reviews. And then it was like, boom, I downloaded it to my Kindle. And I started reading it right away. And it was basically, um, you know, because before that, I would try to moderate, you know, I was always trying to moderate. And after I got the book, I just stopped right then when I started reading it, I just I just didn't need to go back. I said, this just makes so much sense to me. And, uh, you know, and that's what I really appreciated that, that you did so much research and that it spoke to my intellect as, you know, somebody with a science degree. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that just, that there, that's what we needed. And it's so, it's such a radical new way to look at addiction. And I think that that's why it's gaining so much momentum and it, because it's, it works you know, it's working. Yeah. And it's, it's just awesome. And I'm so grateful and happy for you. Um, and, and you're helping so many people. So many people. Yeah, Yeah. It's, it's really awesome. I, um, it continues to blow me away. I feel like ever since sort of the beginning, it was kind of this fork in the road where I was like being, you know, I had made my choice. And I knew that, you know, so many people were like, I was so happy about it. And I was so kind of hungry for it. And I um, definitely tried out preaching to all my friends and that wasn't going anywhere good. But I was like, okay, so it's maybe not my friends, but like people, I know there's other people in the same boat. Like I know there is. Um, But I also just felt really clear on the fact that this was going to happen with or without me. It was going to happen. Our society is changing. People are waking up. And I could, you know, be part of it and help it or somebody else would come in or lots of other people as it's happening, like so many people. And so it wasn't as if I felt like, oh gosh, this is all on my shoulders. It was more of like, oh wow, I get the privilege of, you know, kind of spreading this really hopeful message. Yeah. I think that's really what's been awesome is because I still feel like that, especially watching things change and feeling like, wow, I still get to do this. I still get this privilege of being able to spread this message, you know, so it's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've listened to all your podcast <laughs> podcasts and I feel like 
there's a piece of me in every story. It's like, I'm the mosaic of, you know, there's a piece of me in every single story. And it just, it's like, I'm all caught up now. You know, I started like five months ago and I'm all, I've been through every single one of them. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that's uh, all I needed. I didn't need to branch out into other areas of support. I just used your book and listened to your podcasts. And it's, it just reinforces everything every day for me. I'm literally in the middle of, um, we have between, because some people don't want to come on the podcast, so they send in blogs, like yeah. they, they write their story on the blog, right. and, um, then obviously the podcast, but it's, um, I think it's well over 200, close to 300 stories now, which is just crazy. Nice. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to like pick, you know, a di diverse sampling of them and really put them into a book. Yeah. And um, your story, if you're okay with including it, your background with, you know, the, you know, the transgenerational kind of trauma taking yeah. from your mom, what happened to your dad. I mean, all of those things. And then going through, um, you know, marriage at such a young age. And I mean, the really just tragic, tragic uh, happenings when you were 14. I mean, just, it's really upsetting. But all of that, I feel like there's so much hope in it too. Like there's just, you know, here you are really vibrant and smiling and on the other side and just very, very happy. Um, so yeah. I'd love to include it if, if you're willing. Yeah, I am a private person, but strongly that I want strongly that I want this. And I will say one more thing on that. Um, because I, I didn't feel the need to tell anybody that I stopped drinking um, because most of my damage drinking was done alone the type of person that I did it at home he was here so can monitor what I was doing and uh, so I didn't you know a lot of people didn't know how much I was drinking and um, so when I started you know the people I want to share it with I did and then a couple of instances my husband went ahead and some people and uh, we went into like a um, social situation and I didn't know he had told people that I quit drinking and I got all these questions coming at me and I had a conversation with him just the other day and I said, you know, I wished you would have asked my permission before you started telling people that I had quit drinking because I felt like that was my story to tell and at least you could have asked me and he understood it and now he's going to. Um, ask me if it's okay if he shares that information because I really hadn't shared it but with just a few people yeah absolutely and I think I mean specifically for the book you can be completely you know as anonymous as you want right Although we're on this podcast so the cat's kind right. of out of the bag <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's what I'm saying because I was driving it you know I I'm in control of this but um yeah it was like I wonder if his, my gut tells me that his, um, he's proud of you and oh, yeah. how he wanted to share. Oh yeah. Because it had been, you know, um, a bubbling issue for us for the last four or five years and, uh, been a concern of mine for longer than that. And I'm sure his as well. Yeah. I think it's such, it's such an attractive quality in people to say, I just don't drink. I mean, we underestimate how attractive that is. The only, the only time it cannot be attractive is when those words really hold up a mirror to somebody and they're seeing their own sort of internal conflict or dissonance in it. Yeah. But 
yeah. when you say it to anybody who really loves you or cares for you or isn't struggling for their own with their own thing. I mean, it is incredibly attractive because it says so much about, you know, you being so self-assured and confident and at peace with who you are and not needing stuff. I mean, it is, I think like literally viscerally attractive to, yeah. you know, I, I remember being attracted to people like, wow, you don't drink. Like part of me would be like, huh? But part of me would be like, oh my gosh, tell me more. You know, I think yeah. it's really attractive. Yeah. Yeah. And I just keep hearing stories more and more, you know, like listening to your podcast and the people that come on, but they're, uh, I like the ones that say, you know, I just don't have time for it. Cause it does take a lot of time, you know, all the thinking about drinking and then the drinking itself. And then, the recovering from the hangover every day, it just like took so much time and effort, so much. And I don't have that anymore. So it's wonderful. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's a movement, like you said. I love, it. love it so it's much. Great movement. So awesome. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming and sharing all of that. It was really a beautiful story. Yeah. yeah. Looking you. forward to seeing you in September. Yes, I can't wait. That's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Simone. Have a great day. You too. Are you looking to go deeper? You might be interested in the full recordings of this Naked Mind Live 2018. It was an incredible two days and you can now experience it all from the comfort of your living room. You'll love the event. So grab your digital ticket at thisnakedmind.com forward slash digital ticket. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.